Welcome to the Phil Nason Show, brought to you by PlayUp Sportsbook. PlayUp welcomes all bettors and offers the best prices on the market. They are also proud to be an official betting partner of the New Jersey Devils. Check them out online or in the App Store and see for yourself why PlayUp is your best bet. You're listening to a pre-recorded edition of the Phil Nason Show. The Phil Nason Show. Download us at your favorite podcast catcher, including iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. And please leave a review. You can follow Phil on social media at Cash with Flash and like our Facebook show page. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. I'm excited to have you here. We'll be here for as long as it takes, and we're going to have a special show called Brooklyn Nets Bashing 101, and my guest is going to be amazing. We are presented by PlayUp Sportsbook. That's PlayUpSportsbook.com or PlayUp.com. Head on over, sign up for an account, and find out why PlayUp is always your best bet. My best bet is talking to my new friend. He is the host of Betting Denver on the Mile High Sports Network, 98.1 FM. Please welcome Zach Price to the show. Zach, what's happening, dude? Phil, it's so great to be here with you and talk about my favorite topic, which is why the Brooklyn Nets are overrated. But I'm also happy to talk about anything you want to get into today. So just get you ask me anything. That sounds great. You know what we want? We always do for a brand new guest is we talk about the sports betting journey. So what is yours? Because you are a professional sports better who happens to have a radio show. That's right. I, uh, I say at the beginning of my uh, radio show, I'm not a radio host. I'm not a media personality. I'm a professional sports investor. And so I don't call myself a better because I consider myself an investor looking to turn a profit, not gambling, Phil. That's a very good way to put that, by the way. And you know what? The DraftKings people will hate you for that, but that's okay, too. But that's a great uh, segue into what we're going to talk about, because really, I, I found you because my one of my guests on the show said, hey, this guy bashes the Nets better than you do. <laughs> and I've been bashing the Nets for, I don't know, 52 years so I think that I, I thought I was number one. How easy is it? to and, and how did you begin? And why did you begin bashing the Brooklyn Nets? You're all the way out west. Why do you care about the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, Phil, well, I'll tell you about my journey, and it'll kind of lead into that. So um, as a sports uh, in, investor, I do a lot of futures betting. And just like when we're uh, buying stocks and futures of gold or on oil or even just futures on companies, which is buying stocks as it is, you're buying future earnings. Um, I look at building a portfolio of futures in sports. And my main two sports, look, everybody does the NFL. um, So I'm not going to say I'm a specialist there. I do what everybody else does. I turn a profit there, of course. But my specialty is golf and NBA. So golf, specifically like the Masters, I'll build a portfolio of, oh, boy, there's 85 people in the field. I'll eliminate about 50 of those guys right off the bat that cannot win the Masters. And then I'll work with a small field and pick my favorite guys at the best numbers, Phil. But what I won't do unless his name is Tiger Woods, is I won't bet anybody that's less than 10 to 1 odds to win the Masters. Because at the Masters, day one, you're just hanging tough. You're not looking to shoot 6, 7 under. You just want to shoot around par, 1 under, 2 under, make that cut. And then Saturday, they arrange the 
the pin placements, the hole on the green in places where players can attack. And on Saturday, guys are going to seven under, six under. And that's where you kind of get your long shots to go low and have a chance at winning the title. And so now we're talking about, um, you know, basketball in the NBA. I do the same thing. But with the NBA, it's way different than the NFL. In the NFL, we have 16, now 17 regular season weeks. And then we have a wild card weekend and then a, a divisional weekend, the championship weekend, and the Super Bowl. And all those are one game you win or you're out. The NBA has set used to be five games in the first round. Now it's seven games in the first round, seven game series, a seven game in the second, a seven game in the conference, and then a seven game in the NBA finals. And so what tends to happen is the cream rises to the top over a seven game series. You can't pull a fast one. You can't pull a halfback fat pass. Or have like, uh, uh, you know, about to score a touchdown and you fumble the ball and then the other team returns it for a touchdown. There's a 14-point swing and the game is over. In the NBA, the best team almost always wins that seven-game series. And if you do get an upset, well, those guys have to go on and then upset another seven-game series and another one. So you rarely get that Cinderella story. And so I've found in the NBA, if you really focus on a certain number of teams that, can, that, that do have a superstar, which you need to win a title, and then... They have the experience in the playoffs to win that title. You can eliminate a, a lot of NBA teams, even teams that have high seedings. And so what I found is that, that that's very profitable. You can come down to an implied odds, which means if you add up all the teams that you think can win the title, their odds are way under 100%. You can actually bet every single team and turn a profit. And what we've seen the last two years, Phil, is a team from Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets, have been such heavy favorites, and they do have the talent to win the title. But you got to look at the odds. Just like I'm not betting anyone under ten to one to win the, the Masters, you got to look at the odds. And the Brooklyn Nets have been so heavily favored to win the NBA title, and I don't think they're the best team at all. I don't think they're even close to the best team. Um, I've found it's profitable to bet on all the other teams around them that really can win the title. I could list them for you, but it would be redundant. I'm talking about the Milwaukee Bucks, the Miami Heat, the Phoenix Suns, the Golden State Warriors, the Utah Jazz. The list goes on not very long, but there is a list of teams. And the Brooklyn Nets, they started the year about two and a half to one at the max. Now they're all the way up to six to one or eight to one. They're in the 10 seed and the regular season is almost over. And so... Building my portfolio with the Nets hogging that implied odds of two and a half to one, three to one, now up to six to one, I have a huge, huge, huge wiggle room where if I do want to bet the Nets at some point, I can actually bet them as their odds go up and up and up, and I'm profitable no matter who is the NBA championship. So how do you like that for a portfolio builder? Now, that's a great portfolio builder for an investor. That's for sure. You know me, it's a little simpler. Uh, I'm a New York Knicks fan. So naturally, I don't like I'm that sorry. team. Yeah, I know it sucks, but you know what? God bless them. They they kept it under the under last night, and we went uh, ten and one. So that was a big day yesterday. But my thing with the Brooklyn Nets is I don't care who the owner is, who the coach is, who's on the team. Outside of a couple seasons when Julius Irving was with the team when they were in the ABA, and Jason Kidd was on that squad in the late or mid to late 90s. That team hasn't been very good at no matter where where they call themselves home. And I don't trust them. I don't care. I, I think it's the uniform. I think they're just jinxed. 
it's been a sad franchise. And I love that you mentioned that Jason Kidd team with Kenyon Martin That's and right. uh, Kerry Kittles and um, all those guys from back in the day. That was a fun team to watch. And, you know, they had that guy, Jason Kidd, who just put his head down and wanted to win. And um, you know what? The, the, what I see from the teams today, Phil, is their 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 personalities and their egos are too big. And to be honest, they patched together this team with guys who were just past that prime. Now I'm not saying they're they're bad players. They're all Hall of Famers. Well, now they have Ben Simmons instead of Harden. But those guys, including Sim, well, I don't know where Simmons stands these days. But they're just they're not where they once were. And so while they're talented, they could go down with injury. They could have an ego problem. Kyrie Irving can't even play in New York, although I think that's getting lifted uh, soon. They haven't played together, and this is a team game. And so this year's team has never played together, not once, these three stars. In fact, Durant and Irving have only played a handful of games together, and they're about to enter the playoffs. In fact, they're about to enter a play-in series where they're going to be on the road needing to win two straight games just to advance, Phil. And I don't think they're going to. And I think if you throw your money on them at those low odds— you're going. You're basically asking. You just might as well hand it over and just say, "Here, keep it." That team's not going to win anything, man. And, and it, it, I don't understand why they scrapped that young bunch. You know, I almost thought I'm finally going to get it. I'm finally going to get catch some real smack because they had a decent young team. Kenny Atkinson was coaching. Those kids were watching him. They were listening to him. They had Carice Levert. They had D'Angelo Russell. They had. The big kid from uh, Cleveland, Jared, Jared Allen. Yeah, Jared Allen. And they had so many good young players coming up. Joe Harris. They they looked really good. And now the only one there from three seasons ago is Joe Harris. And he's probably, thankfully, out for the rest of the season. Because why would you want to be on that team and lose? What a mess. Could you imagine being in that locker room? Oh, my gosh. So... You know, the other thing I'm interested about the, the Nets and why I dislike them so much is they have no interior defense and no big men to rebound the ball. And so now, yeah, they have LaMarcus Aldridge and, and you know, he's a, another guy who is just he's a phenomenal player, but he's just not what he used to be. And if you're expecting him to play like he did, um, you know, what he how he used to play. Um, he might be able to show a flash here or a flash there, but we're talking, again, seven-game series after seven-game series. And, Phil, I'm not even sitting here saying they can't win the title because I believe anything's possible, especially when you have a guy like Durant. But the odds are so bad that I would rather watch them win the title and lose money on it and get back at it next year and build another portfolio than put my hard-earned dollars on them at a 4-1, to one, at a 2.5-1, to one, or even at a 6-1 to one right now. I think they should be about... 25 or 50 to one right now. And, and I think that's being actually generous because they have to go through such a tough road in the East. Well, that's just it. And and I think also that teams like the Atlanta Hawks would beat them in a playoff series. I just don't think they have the depth that they need. I know they've gotten better. They picked up Dragic. They picked up Andre Drummond, but still you, you've got all these retreads. I mean, guys who sat for most of the year. I mean, how do you do that? And expect these guys to perform at the highest level. I mean, if you were playing against them and you knew they weren't prepared like your team is, I would be ashamed to lose to that team. And I don't despise Kevin Durant or any of that. And he's a great player, but how long can he go on one wheel? Right. So he is, um, you know, 
Durant obviously is a Hall of Famer, and even yesterday, or you know, his first game back, and he played. They played the the Boston Celtics, and they played a nice little game there, and they were scoring and and everything. And but at the end of the game, you know, they didn't win. They didn't have anyone to stop Tatum, and of course, Simmons is supposed to be that guy. But Phil, I'm sick and tired of hearing about. Well, Simmons is supposed to be that guy, and Durant is supposed to be healthy, and Kyrie is supposed to be an all-star guard who can score over 30 a game. Everyone's acting like these guys are a video game, how you just plug them in and you have a joystick and you move them around and you use all their talents. This is real life. This is the NBA. You have to play as a team. You have to have your wind under you. You can't have a bad ACL or MCL like Durant. Like um, I was betting against them last year, and they really did go far, and they really did almost beat the Bucks. But again, they were injured. Durant went down, and Harden went down, and, and the pieces started falling apart um, again. The Nets could win it all, but man, oh man, is that a tough road they have coming from the 9 or 10 seed going and beating all these teams over and over in seven-game series. The odds are just awful by the sports books to, to, to actually turn a profit betting them. I just don't understand. I have so many other teams that I've bet on in the East that I literally could bet the Nets every single game until they lose a series and I would still be profitable um, eventually when they lose. So, um, you know, that's another strategy is you could get your futures teams. Like I have the bulls at 50 to one and I have the bucks at 18 to one. Um, and I could just wait for the nets to play them. I actually could bet on the nets on a game to game basis, probably as an underdog and lose all those bets and then march on to the next round. If the nets lose, or I would win those bets if the Nets suddenly got hot, and then I could suddenly turn a profit on the Nets because now they're underdogs. And so we'll see how it all plays out in the East. Well, that's exactly right. And that's not to say you can't bet on them during the regular season to cover a spread. I know that I probably wouldn't. But that being said, we're talking about the playoffs, and we're talking about futures, and that is too steep a price to pay for that team with so much uncertainty. You just can't have that. It's already tough enough to pick a future winner. And you've got all these guys that are injured or part-time or haven't played in a while. Blake Griffin hasn't come off the bench except to high-five folks. So, I mean, it is what it is. I, I, I wish them a lot of luck. I hope they go far and prove us wrong, but I don't think they will. Now, I wanted to ask you this question, too, because you are a professional. How much is too much VIG to pay for an MPA or side or a total? Because I've seen that... Up there at minus 125, minus 130, I take a pass always. What about you? What is the most big, and is it too much past minus 110? So, you know what, Phil? The way I attack it, and everybody is different, and I certainly don't think my way is the only way. But the way I bet is I bet on teams to win the game. That's called the money line for all you listeners out there. Um, and so you are paying a VIG on the money line. People, you know, they think, well, if I'm not paying minus 110, I'm just going to bet on the team to win. There's a lot of juice built into that. But what I've found is once you get past six and six points in the NBA on a spread, mm -hmm. it gets a little fishy. And so six points is two three pointers. And so once you get to six and a half, I, I never, ever take a favorite. I just don't do it because an NBA team can a good team can beat a bad team. And that bad team can just come back at the end of the game and hit a couple three-pointers, a meaningless three-pointer. We've all been there with that ticket, a minus five, five and a half, a minus six, and the game is over, and the other team hits a meaningless three to cover. I never want to be in that situation. And so I will take six and a half points as an underdog. Um, but in general, I don't even bet that because 
Um, minus 110, it's just not my style. I would rather find a team that I think is going to win the game and bet that money line on them. And that is how I play the NBA. It's very, very, very hard to beat minus 110 in the long run. Um, in the NFL, it's almost impossible. In the NBA, I do think you can do that. But you really have to pick your spots carefully. And I don't think you can do it by betting a lot of favorites that are over six-point favorites. I think that's exactly right. I, I like what you just said. I agree with you, too. I play a lot of sides, but I, I will never go minus 110. I, this season has been terrible. And, and I started to look at the money lines a little bit more. I know that that's what I'll be doing when the playoffs come. That's for sure. Those lines are going to be a lot sharper, a lot less juice, and we can take a shot at it. Now, what about power rankings? Because you are you're looking for dogs, you're looking for plus money opportunities like all of us. Do you use power rankings or do you make your own? What do you do? Yeah, so and I will say I'm not always looking for dogs, Phil. I like I will bet a favorite uh, at minus money if I think they're going to win the game. So, um uh, you know, if I if I found a if I find out a team's on a road back to back, that's one of the toughest thing in all of sports to do is be in the NBA on this long schedule, play a game on the road, then get, get then go travel to another city and play another game on the road while that other team is rested. I have no problem betting the home team in that second back to back against a road team who's on the who just played the night before. So minus money plus money, it's all about the situation. But to answer your questions, I have um, tiers. So I have a few tiers in the NBA since we're talking NBA. I have tier one. And right now in tier one, I have teams like the Milwaukee Bucks who are the NBA champions. I have the Phoenix Suns who are winning at an 80% clip this rate uh, this year. I have the Golden State Warriors who have, of course, Hall of Famers like Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Klay Thompson. Um, when, you know, if they if they all get on the floor together, and they will, they're going to be uh, one of the toughest teams to beat. I also have the Utah Jazz as a number one tier. They had the best record in the NBA last year. They couldn't pull it off, but um, they're rounding into form right now at around 18 to 1. I think they have value. And then I go on, you know, a tier two, um, almost into tier one, which is the Miami Heat, a team like that who I think is, you know, has a well-rounded team. They haven't all played together in a playoff series. Guys like Kyle Lowry, Victor Oladipo is coming back. Um, they've been shuffling their players around. They have the talent to do that. And then I have, like, uh, a, a, another tier for a team like the Memphis Grizzlies, who are in the two-seed or about to be in the two-seed in the West. A team like the Memphis Grizzlies has that superstar John Morant. Um, I don't know how good this kid can be. He could be a tier one player. You know, he is a tier one player, but he could lead his team just like those other teams I mentioned, Phoenix and Golden State. But I haven't seen it yet. And so I worry about the playoff experience if they get in a matchup with a team even like Utah or Golden State or Phoenix. So I have Memphis as like a tier three team, the 76ers, same sort of deal. Joel Embiid, Harden's playing great now with them. I don't know how they're going to react in the playoffs, having just moved together. And then, you know, a team like uh, a four tier is like a team like the Celtics. So they are really playing well right now, but they really haven't done anything in the playoffs with J Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And, you know, I haven't seen enough out of them to think that they are going to challenge some of these top tier teams in seven game series if they can actually get over that hump. And so I build it in tiers. I group teams together. And then I have a tier that doesn't even have a number. It just has an X. And that's for teams like Minnesota, 
who is having a phenomenal year, and maybe they could upset a team in the first round. I just don't think it'll happen, but they have the talent. But there's no way Minnesota's going to win the championship. And so for me to put my heart on dollars on futures odds on them, even at value, in the NBA, I won't do it. In the NFL, I will, because you could just win a game advance, win a game advance. Carl Anthony Towns gets hot, Anthony Edwards. But in the NBA, to win those seven-game series, to win four of them, I don't see Minnesota doing it or Toronto doing it. Um, you mentioned the Hawks, who went all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, but they couldn't get it done. Trey Young had some tough times when the going got tough there in his first real run. And so teams like that, I just try to stay away from even betting because I don't think they have a realistic chance of winning the championship. And then, of course, I have a double X on teams that have no shot at even making the playoffs, like a Sacramento, like the Wizards, or the your Knicks, uh. or... And this year, the Pacers, you know, I started with a couple bets on the Pacers, realized pretty quickly they weren't going to do it. And, of course, teams like the Rockets and the Magic, the Pistons, OKC, they, they, this is the NBA. There's just no chance at all that they're going to even make the playoffs. But if they did, there would be no chance at all for them to win the title. So I say I'm naked on those, which means I have no money on them. I will not be putting money on them. Probably those same teams again next year. I won't have any money on them at all to go far. Probably same with the Knicks as well. You know, I like the way you do that because you set them in tiers and the bottom tier, the last 10 games or so, you just leave B because they're not playing for anything. And that's it. that's how it makes handicapping a lot easier. I have my own power rankings too. I start with the ESPN group or whatever they do at the beginning of the season. And then I make my own from there. I, I adjust by a point system, three points for a win versus at home versus a playoff team, five points for a win versus a playoff team on the road. And then I go backwards if they lose to those or if they lose to a non-playoff team. And I try to make out that way. But I think they're most very important power rankings. And I'm glad that you do too because a lot of people don't like them. I don't know a single professional that doesn't use them or some kind of thing to rank players, right? Yeah, and you know what? It, it, it goes it, – you have to treat it differently for every – different portfolio. So um, I have MVP rank, you know, tier rankings. I have NFL is way different than NBA. Like I just mentioned, I was betting a lot on the Cincinnati Bengals this year, not because I actually thought they would go to the Super Bowl. I really did not think they would ever do it. But um, they had a quarterback who I just didn't know how good he would be. And I didn't want to leave that, uh, let's call it roulette number without a chip on it. Um, in the NFL, anything can happen. So I covered a lot more teams. I had more tiers, maybe five, six, or even seven tiers in the NFL. Um, in baseball, um, you know, you can you get a feel for that season through 162 games. You don't have to bet anything in April and May to kind of get a feel out for some of those teams. But um, you know, even in the NBA, in the Rookie of the Year, I do it too. Uh, it, it, I have my tiers on uh, guys like Mobley and Barnes and Cunningham this year. And I also was open to Jalen Green. I was even open to Jalen Suggs um, mm -hmm. to possibly win the award. And so that's kind of how I did. I do my things. I have tiers where I take the first one seriously. I have money on them. And then the rest I kind of watch for value. And then there's certain guys that no matter what happens or certain teams, I just won't bet. But you still have them. You still know about them. So if anything happens, you got you can insert them. Yep. Hit the Hit the counter and get on with your day. That's right. And that's the way it should be, by the way. That's how most, if not all, professional sports bettors do their business. And that's why Zach's here. Okay, last thing up. We got the Bulls. We got the 76ers tonight. Philly is, or were, or currently a 7.5 point home favorite. Okay. We have a total of 232.5. At least on my notes, we do. 
And I'm just curious, what what do we like here tonight? Because you mentioned you have a, a futures bet on the Bulls. Yeah. And you don't have one on the 76ers. You like the Bulls, don't you? So I have bets on both of them, Phil. Um, okay. The 76ers, I got it. Uh, they they I really like them in the preseason. I they were one of my favorite teams. Embiid is my guy for MVP. I liked him in the preseason as well. Um, I remember what they did last year. You always have to remember how these teams finished. And Philly looked pretty good, but of course they didn't have Ben Simmons. And I knew they would trade Ben Simmons. I didn't think it was going to be all the way at the deadline. And so I do have Philly. Um, as high as 27 or 28 to one. And um, now they're down to seven to one. So I, I look, I think either of those teams could go. I like the Bulls. They've dropped a few in a row. If you're going to give me seven and a half points with the Bulls, I'm going to take it against the Sixers. I know the Sixers are hot, but I feel like the Sixers need to get punched in the mouth here with their new dynamic duo. I think they're flying a little too high. And Chicago's got a rounded team. They've got Vooch in the middle. They have DeMar DeRozan, an MVP caliber player, who knows what to do in the fourth quarter if that game gets close. Um, Lonzo Ball isn't in. He hasn't been in ages. But Levine, Zach Levine, he can get hot. Um, they have a couple of young guys, AO, and um, they got Kobe White. He's a fantastic player. Very well-rounded team in Chicago. If you're going to give me seven and a half points with them, I'm just going to take them and force Philly to blow me out and win. It's like what I told you at the beginning of the show. Six and a half points, once you get there, I'm going with the underdog in a close game. These are two top-tier teams, in my opinion. In fact, I have them both in that third tier of teams. And so if I'm just playing power rankings, I have a tier three against a tier three, and one of them's getting seven and a half points. Give me seven and a half, Phil. Um, The total, I'm just going to say I don't like to bet on how many points players are going to score against each other. I know that there's a huge edge there if you monitor these things. But um, I tend to stay away from that. In fact, if you put a gun to my head, I'm going to go with the under almost every single time on an NBA total. Even though this year that's probably been a losing bet. I know that the under at this stage in the season is probably, there's probably a little bit of value there. I think there's a lot of value in the under, but I'm with you on the Bulls. One of the things that I talk about on this show a lot when I bring up the 76ers is the fact they don't cover at home. Do you remember there was a time when they didn't cover on the road? Well, now it's the opposite. They're 12-19-0 against the spread at home. Chicago's 14. I did not know that. 14, 15, and 1 against the spread as the away team. I know that they've struggled a bit. Vucevic is questionable for tonight. He's got some kind of nagging hamstring. But you know, you mentioned something earlier about uh, chemistry, team chemistry. Let's see how they put it all together. You know, Philly's fourth in scoring over their last five, and they're 19th in scoring overall in the season. That's the James Harden effect. But since Harden's gotten there, their defense has gotten worse. And that's a situation that a kid like Zach Levine, a Kobe White, can exploit and exploit for days. And let's not forget DeMar DeRozan. He's playing out of his mind. He seems to be happy. I'm with you on the Bulls. Seven and a half. That's too many points, man. I love it. I love the dog. I love a dog who's got a great team. You know, If I think a team can win the game and they're an underdog, give me the points. And they played yesterday, if you remember. So that's probably not helpful either. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. But the Bulls are good. Tell us all where we can find you once again. And thanks again for being here, dude. I enjoyed this immensely. Yeah, Phil, thanks for having me. So um, I'm the host of the Denver Sports Betting Show, 98.1 FM. That's Mile High Sports here in Denver. I'll also be playing this podcast on my radio show so everyone can hear this great interview. You guys can all find me at Zachonomics on Twitter. That's where I put out all my gambling stuff, all my rants about the Nets, all my futures tickets that I you know, have hit 
And then if you want to follow my, me and my crazy adventures in Denver along with my betting stuff, I'm on Instagram at Zachonomics101. That sounds great. Thanks again for being here, my friend. And that's going to wrap it up for today's show. We want to thank PlayUp for presenting the show. That's PlayUp.com. Hit the link, sign up for an account, and find out why PlayUp is always your best bet. All picks are tracked at BetStamp.app. Until next time, y'all take care of yourselves. Be good, and most importantly... Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you. Thanks for listening to The Phil Nason Show. Download us at your favorite podcast catcher, including iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. And please leave a review. You can follow Phil on social media at Cash with Flash and like our Facebook show page.